With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Colorado Rugby. I'm Henry Chisholm, and we have a couple of things to talk about today. Uh, first of all, of course, we're going to talk about the Buffs' win last night against Oregon State. That was a blowout, and uh, I have a couple of thoughts. Honestly, the, the truth is, like when there's a game like that, when the Buffs just steamroll somebody... I really don't have all that many thoughts, but there were a couple of cool things that happened. Uh, We're going to talk about those, and then I read something interesting uh, in the Salt Lake Tribune. It was a column basically saying, why is the Pac-12 going to hold conference tournaments? And uh, it turns out that this has been kind of a controversial topic in the Pac-12 world, especially in the last couple of days, it looks like. Um... But uh, I want to talk about that, and I'm curious what your thoughts are, too. Uh, So that's the plan. Those are the two things we're going to be talking about today. Um, Any notes for this week? There will be DNVR Buffs post-game shows after the rest of the games this week, Thursday, and then again on Saturday. And I believe we're going to be doing those every game for the rest of the season. So yesterday's game would have been the last one without a DMVR Buffs post-game show. Pretty excited about that, Um, and I guess that's that. Uh, Yeah, I think that's it for notes. So I'm going to say a couple words about Colorado Rugby, and then we're going to dig into the game. Uh, Colorado Rugby, a bunch of cool things going on. They're training a whole bunch of very good athletes to play rugby with the hopes of getting them onto the U.S. national team. Uh, The USA Eagles men's and women's 15s teams, those are the U.S. national teams, are training here in Colorado at Infinity Park in Glendale. Uh, You can follow along with all that uh, with uh, Colton Strickler on the DNVR Rugby account or the DNVR Rugby podcast. It's weekly. There's interviews with a whole bunch of big names. There's uh, 101 pods that explain how the game works. Uh, But follow along because rugby starts up here in a few weeks, I believe. All right, um, the game last night, 
Um, in case you didn't see it, the Buffs looked really, really, really good. Um, they played a, a pretty clean 40 minutes. You know, it's tough to even find too many stretches to be disappointed by. Um, a, a couple of the big names, you know, McKinley Wright, Evan Batty, didn't put in the best performances of their career, uh, at least statistically, and that kind of left an opening for a couple of other guys to show up. So, uh, Colorado won 78-49, took a lead early, let's see, so they held the lead from about 12 minutes to go in the first through the rest of the game. So they trailed for the last time. I guess they were tied for the last time at like 12.09 or 12.5, something like that. Um, and then pretty much is dominated. I think by halftime that lead was, uh, it was definitely du- double digits. It was probably like 13 or so. And then it only grew from there. Uh, again, just a nice, clean performance. And I personally had some questions at various points in that game. You know, as soon as the Buffs get that big lead, I think at this point you have to be thinking, huh, where are we going? (laughs) What's about to happen here? Is this going to be a game that Colorado just runs away with? Like they really haven't all that often this season? Or is this another game where it's going to get close and this thing is not over yet? Um Yesterday, Colorado was able to close it out, and this is three straight games um, that Colorado has gotten a big lead, and in the first two, Colorado blew a lead of at least 15 points. Um, Lost the first one against Utah, and then blew the lead against Arizona, but battled back and won it at the end. Um, This game, though, like I said... They never pulled within single digits in the second half. Uh, they wound up winning by, oh, 29 points. Uh, I think Oregon State hit a three pretty close to the buzzer that stopped it from being a 30-point win. But, again, the the big takeaway here is that maybe for the first time all season, Colorado put together 40 minutes of basketball, and it looked the way that you would hope that that would look against a team like Oregon State. Oregon State, who, by the way, is still 10-8 and eight overall. This is, a, this is a good basketball program. Um, it, it, transition period with Trace Tinkle gone this year, but for the most part, my guy uh, Wayne Tinkle has figured things out, and yeah, a, a good win. I'm getting into some of the details, though. Like I said, um, McKinley Wright, pretty quiet. Three of eight from the field. He had six points, three rebounds, four assists. Evan Batty only played 12 minutes. Um, He had one point in those 12 minutes, had a rebound and a couple assists. Um, You know, Deshaun was three of six. He was two of three from three, um, but that's only eight points. Eli had another just Eli game where he, you know, an Eli game, a good Eli game just keeps changing. He keeps raising the standard. Because I remember last year, I mean, (laughs) I remember points last year when people wanted him out of the rotation, but I remember once he started to figure things out last year, it's like, okay, Eli, you're, you're good on defense. Maybe not like the best on defense, but probably our best option on defense. Um, offensively don't dribble the ball. Don't take the shot unless there's under whatever on the shot clock and you're wide open. 
Um, and, and since then, a lot of that has changed. You know, to this point, uh, uh, Eli Parquet, to me, is an, an all-Pac-12 defender. Um, you know, those are tough awards to get because there's 12 teams and they only put five on each team, I think. I don't think it's like the all-Pac-12, although... Who knows? It could be like the first team all pack 12 where there's 10 players. Um, I'm not sure whether Eli is going to get on that team, though, is the point. He de- he deserves to be on that team. He's playing well enough to be on that team. And offensively, he just keeps doing more and more. Um, he's not making bad decisions. He's avoiding turnovers. Um, he's knocking down some shots, uh, which obviously is what the game is all about. And when you're knocking down shots, you can get away with a lot of other mistakes. But he's just not making all that many. So, again, like you look at it. Eight points, two rebounds, three assists, four of six from the field. That's Eli Parquet. And I think that once you get into tournament time, maybe maybe that eight points is closer to 10 or 12. You know, and, and the way that Eli has been improving week in and week out, I don't think that it's crazy to expect him to continue to improve over the course of the rest of the season and going into next year. Um so, yeah, I, I will add that the one starter in double figures was Dallas Walton. He was 5 of 6 in the field. He had 12 points, uh, 19 minutes. He's still not giving us that 20-point game, um, but just good, efficient work. I wonder, what is Dallas Walton shooting for the season? Because it just seems like every game, yeah, 65.6%. That'll do. And uh, 55% from three. So, shout out that guy because those are some big numbers um here's where things got interesting because none of the starters i think let's see so eli played the most minutes with 26 because the game went the way the game went you're able to get those guys some rest that is incredibly valuable um and getting experience for the young guys is valuable too um they still didn't have jabari um he was smiley on the bench, though, so maybe that means he's going to be back soon. Um, so we got to see a whole lot of Tristan Da Silva. And Tristan Da Silva put in, I think, by far the best performance of his career. Uh, he didn't miss, which, you know, if, if again, if you didn't watch this game, when you hear Tristan Da Silva didn't miss, you're like, okay, congrats on being one of one from the field, maybe two of two from the field, Uh, because that's what we've seen from, because he doesn't get in all that much when he does, you know, it's been up and down, there was the big three at the buzzer against Stanford, a a game that the Buffs wound up winning, and that really was a momentum builder for them, and that was one of the big wins for Colorado to this point, you know, he contributed to that, Uh, but more often than not, he does look like a freshman. Yesterday, though, he was six of six from the field, four boards, 15 points, just a nice performance from him. And what I think he did was kind of just stop sitting at the three-point line, going in, hitting some jumpers, hitting some floaters, getting to the rim. Um, I think that when you do that, it opens up the three-point line for you. You know, I, I if Tristan Da Silva has an open three, I am very happy with that being the result of the possession. Um I'm, I don't know that the numbers reflect that. Um, yeah, he's 25% from three for the season. But he feels like he can shoot to me. And I'm I'm happy with him taking as many of those shots because I do think that once you just get used to being out there, those are going to fall. 
getting yourself some easier looks though doesn't hurt um again just a very good performance and it makes you wonder how he's going to fit in the rest of the way uh because i do think that he's probably been used in situations where buffs fans at least some buff fans would have said eh maybe keep him on the bench right here and give those minutes to whoever you want to say those minutes should be for but tad just keeps rolling him out there and i mean against arizona uh, he played 13 minutes, only played three total in the two Washington State games. He had the six against Stanford before that when he hit the big shot. He had the eight against Cal the game before that. Um, and, and it's just kind of been those consistent single-digit minutes, either in garbage time or when somebody who is missing from the rotation because of injury or whatever uh, is supposed to be out there. Tristan will eat up a couple of those minutes. But... He played 20 last night. He played 13 the game before. I think Jabari Walker is still supposed to be out at least another week or two um, off the top of my head. So I do think that you see more of Tristan De Silva going forward. And, you know, he was 6-6 six six yesterday. He was 2-3 or three before that. He's going to be a very good offensive player in this conference. I, I, I'm confident in that. You know, he's... Those the stretch four who can knock down threes and can pass the way I think he can pass that that opens so many doors um, for for somebody to be productive. Like if you can knock down open threes, it really doesn't take all that much else to find a spot on the court. Um, I think that he can provide plenty more than that, especially a few years from now. Um, and that's kind of crazy to think about when you consider that. You know, even next year, you're going to have Lawson Lovering on campus. So you're going to have Lawson Lovering, Jabari Walker, Tristan Da Silva. And who knows, next year, Evan's still going to be around. Uh, it's looking like this front court is in as good a shape going forward as I think maybe we ex we've expected it to be or hoped it would be um, when we saw the recruits that the Buffs were landing. Um that said, I do have some questions about the backcourt. Again, I mean, Eli's still going to be here uh, for a while. Um, but, you know, Neat Clifford, Luke O'Brien, Keyshawn Bartholomew, uh, all of them have done some things that you look at and say, wow, that's a talented basketball player. But total, there, there haven't been a whole lot of those moments. They're young guards. They're figuring it out. Um, and it's not, I'm not concerned about the future or anything like that. Um, maybe just a little bit concerned for this season. You know, uh, what happens if Kin needs to take a couple minutes off in one of the tournament games? I, I don't know. I have my concerns. Um, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. In terms of having the talent, I'm not concerned about these guys. In terms of the timeline, I, I may have some questions. You know, is Keyshawn ready to be a starter next year? Um, if he isn't, who is? Um, can I don't think you can just slide Eli into the point guard spot and then put Javari in the start. You know, it's it it could be a challenge next year. Um, is what I'll say. And at any point, these guys could click. And in I mean, Luke looked good last night, I thought. And he played four minutes, so who knows what that means. He knocked down a three. There's something there. 
there's certainly something there. Um, figuring out how to piece together the rotation next year is going to be a challenge, I think. And unless in in the next few weeks one of these guys really does step up and prove that he's ready to be a contributor to a Pac-12 team right now. Um, and to be honest, that would surprise me if that does happen. Um, Dry Horn, another just classic performance six of eight from the field one of two from three 16.7 boards like that's again that's just what you get from him should say shout out jariah because he actually scored his 1000th career collegiate point last night uh that's impressive stuff and props to him for getting that done honestly i think that that's pretty much all there is basically whatever the buffs tried worked People were able to knock down shots. They shot 56% from the field. Um, only 5 of 13 from 3. Both of those numbers surprised me a little bit. It does seem like the Buffs want to be shooting more than 13 threes a game. It does seem like they should be making more than 5 threes per game. But again, it, when it, when things are working and what you are doing is working, when you know Dallas Walton is 5 of 6, uh, Evan is 0 for 0, um, Dry, like I said, 6 of 8, Tristan, 6 of 6. You're doing a whole lot of good work in the post. And, I mean, I guess Deshaun Schwartz belongs in that a little bit, too, with his 3 of 6. But when you're just so efficient down there, I'm all right with them not taking threes, especially when it's not like they were super hot or anything like that from 3. I do expect to see those numbers go up a little bit more going forward. Um, Turnovers, 13 of them, more than you want. Um... Three from Dallas, that's that's certainly more than you want. Three from Jariah, uh, that's more than you want, but it's not a number that's too surprising given the way he plays because they do run a lot of things through him and he has the ball a lot. But I think that we've covered pretty much all my thoughts. Um, buffs look good. Buffs look good. And for those of you who didn't listen to yesterday's podcast, As it stands now, the Buffs are not in control of their own destiny, but pretty close considering how much this season has felt like a roller coaster. They're they're one game back from both USC and UCLA. um, But, I mean, they're 9-4 compared to the other two being 9-2. So they've played two more games and lost both of them, and that's why they're one game back. Uh, it's not the best way to be one game back necessarily. Uh, they do need to see both of those teams lose one more game than Colorado does um, over the next two weekends. And if that happens, then Colorado will have the opportunity to sweep their final weekend of the season when both of those two LA schools go to Boulder. And if they do it, they'll win the Pac-12. That's a good situation to be in. You need more good basketball going forward. Um, next up is Stanford. One of the tougher games left on the schedule. I, I think that when you look at the games the Buffs are most likely to lose, you circle the Stanford game at Stanford on Thursday. You circle the Oregon game at Oregon next weekend. And then I think it's probably UCLA and USC, the the two teams that Colorado will play to close out the season in Boulder. Um, So they've got one of those four that they can knock out right away. And again, I just love the way this sets up because really the hardest part is at the end. What you want is to be within one game so that you can sweep your final weekend and win. 
love it. And as just a little added bonus, USC and UCLA will play the last game of the season against each other. Um, Colorado's last two games are against UCLA and USC that weekend, but then they go back to LA and play on that following Monday. So who knows? Even if Colorado loses one more or one fewer game than one of those teams, the same number of games as the other team, if they sweep that weekend, then they just need to have the right side in that USC UCLA matchup, and that could win it for them too. Um, they're in good shape. I think yesterday could have that was that was a defining moment in this season because after blowing those two leads, um, you have a, a bit of a track record at this point of losing to inferior opponents. Um, you have a fairly hot Oregon State team, maybe a little bit of a stretch, but not too much. Um, and that Oregon State team is one and a half games behind you, sitting in sixth place. You lose that, all of a sudden you have a half-game lead over the sixth-place team. Or maybe they would have bumped up to fifth. But point is, it's pretty congested, one through six. Um, and that win makes it really unlikely that Colorado is going to finish outside of the top five in the conference um, and gives them a good shot at being way up there at the end. Um, if they are way up there, or even if they're just in the top four, they're going to get a bye in the Pac-12 tournament, which is going on as planned. But not everybody thinks that that's a great idea. We're going to talk about that on the other side of this break. Um, before we do that, though, got to give a quick shout-out to our friends over at oh Breckenridge Brewery. Are you looking for a vanilla porter-themed meal? How about a dessert? We've got both for you. Half-Baked Harvest has teamed up with Breck, the official beer of DMVR, for Valentine's Day to give you guys the perfect Valentine's Day dinner. You've witnessed the famous RK special and many other mixtures via the tailgate, and now it's time for the professionals to take over and deliver a creamy brown butter mushroom chicken. Half-Baked Harvest uses Breck's vanilla porter and the cream sauce to add a richness when paired with buttery mushrooms. You can then serve it over fettuccine pasta to complete an easy one-skillet dinner. But no meal is complete without a delicious dessert, so they really go in for the kill with a vanilla porter molten chocolate cake. I'm sure your mouth is watering uh, uncontrollably. So head to Breck's Twitter page or Insta and check out their link in the bio for these delicious recipes and more with Breck Brews and treat yourself to an incredible V-Day dinner. You can also enter to win some great prizes from both Breck and Half-Baked Harvest when you hit that link, so check it out. UFC 257 surely gave the fans the show they were looking for, and this weekend is sure to be just as action-packed. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of UFC, is putting you in the center of this weekend's title fight with 100-to-1 odds on your chosen fighter to step out of the octagon raising the belt. Pick either main event fighter to win this weekend's UFC 258 bout, and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 100-to-1 odds. That's a $1 bet on either fighter to reign victorious, and if your fighter wins, you'll cash $100. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry if MMA isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on basketball, hockey, and so much more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 on your chosen title contender to win. 
Place your bet and watch the fist fly this weekend. That's code DMVR to turn $1 into $100 on the main event Saturday night for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. So, like I said before uh, the break... The Pac-12 tournament, both for the men and for the women, is still going on as planned. Well, there's like one little tweak, and that's that Arizona won't be participating um, because of their self-imposed postseason ban. We're not going down that road, but they're cheaters, um, which means there will be 11 teams. That's actually the only way that you cannot participate in the Pac-12 tournament if you're a Pac-12 team is by being banned from the postseason, whether you do it or somebody else does it. Um, that's actually a line in all of the Pac-12 bylaws. If you're eligible to play in the tournament, you have to play in the tournament. Typically, that line does not matter at all. Nobody is trying to find ways to not participate in the Pac-12 tournament Except for maybe this year. There could be some teams who don't really like that they have to go. And here is why. So, the Pac-12 tournament will be about a week before the NCAA tournament begins. And the NCAA tournament is seen as the more important tournament. Because if you win that, you're a national champion. If you win the Pac-12 tournament, you're a Pac-12 champion. Obviously, one sounds a lot better than the other. For the NCAA tournament... Um, they're starting to put together their rules and their protocols and all that kind of stuff. And those include to be eligible for the tournament, you need to register seven consecutive uh, days of negative COVID-19 tests. So basically they test you every day for the week for a week. If any of those is positive, you can't go by traveling somewhere like Las Vegas for I think I think the tournament's scheduled for the 10th through the 13th, so you're booked for like the 9th through the 14th, and that's a long time in Vegas. Obviously, if somebody does something dumb, then you can get into trouble, and that could be a player or a coach or an assistant coach or a manager or a team doctor or trainer or oh that the whole list of people who will be involved in everything that's going on for with or with the team while they're at the tournament. Um, that risk is obvious, but even if you don't break any rules and say there's uh, 50 people who could tank the team going forward for the NCAA tournament, um, even if none of those 50 people do something dumb, well, first of all, they could still catch it because that's the way it works, um, but also... Uh, you could be playing somebody else who has caught it and then you have an outbreak or, you know, there's just so many ways that your team could get sick, especially when you're spending five or six days out in Las Vegas playing a whole bunch of different basketball teams. Um, personally, I think you got to play it because it's on the schedule. It's kind of what this whole thing is about. Um, but I do see why if you're Colorado, for example, you wouldn't want to go. Um, and like I said, th there's there's actually a few stories up on this in the last day or two 
Um, the Salt Lake Tribune, though, the column, I can't remember who wrote it, but the, but the column that they wrote had a few teams as locks to make the NCAA tournament. Um, that was USC, UCLA, Colorado, um, and then Oregon on the right side of the bubble, but because they haven't played so many games, they're certainly not safe at 10-4 and 4 at this point. I mean, Colorado's 15-5. and 5, um, And then Stanford is on the outside looking in, but with a couple of wins, they'll be on the inside looking out. They're right on that borderline as well. Um, so if you're USC, UCLA, or Colorado, you probably think, huh, we're going to be able to make it to the NCAA tournament no matter what. This is just a risk for us at this point. Now, that does assume that you aren't all that interested in a Pac-12 tournament title, um, which I don't think is a fair assumption at all. But what I wonder, as, as somebody who didn't grow up watching a whole bunch of college basketball, and the college basketball I did watch was the Montana Grizzlies and the Big Sky Conference, I don't know, you know, what the would you, would you trade a Pac-12 tournament title for a Sweet 16 run? You know, you lose in the Sweet 16. You know, that seems like a fair trade-off. Um, I guess we don't have to go too deep down that road. But if you are one of those teams, it would make sense why you don't want to go. However, the reason why I really think that you can't justify getting rid of it, and this is something that was also brought up in that column, um, is that that's how you get into the tournament if you didn't have a good season, into the NCAA tournament, is by winning the Pac-12 championship. Any one of these teams has the opportunity to win four games in a row and get an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. Um, and even if, you know, say an Oregon State, if they close the season well and make it to the Pac-12 championship, maybe they have a chance. You know, you could see them getting in. Um, but pretty much everybody else, you don't even have a path unless you win the championship, I don't think. Um and and really, to me, that's why you have to keep it is just because Cal deserves a shot, even though they're two and twelve. Washington deserves a shot, even though they're two and ten. Um, I don't know. Plus, I like going to Vegas, so there's there's another reason. Um, I don't even know that I'd go this year. We'll see. But if you guys have any thoughts on all this, I'd be curious what those are. To me, it does seem like this is the right decision. Although, when you look around, there are plenty of people who do not feel the same way that I do. And uh, it seems like there's like more and more of those every day. So if you have any thoughts on that, you have any thoughts on the buffs, if you have any thoughts on anything, I'm curious to hear what you're thinking about right now. So throw that in the comment section of the post for today's show, and we'll get to those tomorrow no tomorrow's a post game show so thursday um questions comments all that kind of stuff um but i will see you tomorrow uh with no wait no the game's thursday so no we'll see you wednesday sorry these schedules i, I didn't realize how much i appreciate these schedules not changing um in normal years because when you go through a season like this and like every other week they're saying, no, this game is now Wednesday instead of Thursday. or This is now noon instead of seven. Like just those little tiny changes that are not all that difficult. They can really throw you off. So I've been thinking about, is it Wednesday for a couple of days now? But no, it's not. It's Thursday. Um, so I'll be back with another podcast, maybe with Ben, if not 
tomorrow, then Friday. We'll have the post game Thursday and Saturday. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, and we will see you then. I think they like my Colorado sway. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway, my Colorado sway. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway, my Colorado sway. Man, I swear, I think they like my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway is pushing one. And see you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. Oh. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging as the crowd do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh -huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hey. Hey. You on your own now, why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. Hey. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it. Sway. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway.